0: Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace.
1: Here we are indeed once again, Growing in Grace. I'm Joel along with Mike. The Growing in Grace podcast found at org. Did you know, too, that you can listen on iTunes and on the uh, Google Play Store, Google Play Music, search for Growing in Grace, and you will find us. Uh, there are, I found, a few other podcasts out there called Growing in Grace, but you just find the one with Mike and Joel, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> that's that's the one you want to go to. <laughs> I don't know what those other ones are about. I haven't listened to them. But org, you can find all of these things, too. Well, they could just be
0: talking about praying before a meal or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, coming up with a new
1: prayer for the meal, saying grace. Grace. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Growing in grace. This is how you should say grace. This yes. is the model prayer. for growing in grace. (laughs) Repeat this one over and over again every time you eat. But don't forget to go into your room and close the door before you do it, because that's what you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what I did a lot as a kid, because I I got sent to my room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to go in there and eat. Uh, We started
0: talking last week about this thing known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's been said that this might be more accurately called the Disciple's Prayer, because that's who he was talking to. When he shared it, mm-hmm. something closer to what might be considered the Lord's prayer might be toward the very end of his ministry in, in John chapter 17. John 17 but right. having said that, we'll stick with the traditions everybody is familiar mm-hmm. with. Last week was our first in what will probably be somewhat of a, a series on on the Lord's prayer. So growingingrace.org, if you would like to catch up on that. But uh, we were talking, uh, kind of left off last week, Joel, with Jesus before the prayer. Jesus said, hey, don't be like the Gentiles non-Jewish people like us. Don't be like them. They repeat stuff over and over again, thinking they'll be heard for their many words. And yet, what have we done with the prayer? As Gentiles, generally speaking, the prayer gets chanted over and over again. So Jesus had already been telling these Jewish people he had been ministering a message of hopelessness and despair and communicated that they needed to be perfect when it comes to the law of works, or they would fall short. And we all know now that everybody has fallen short. That was the message Jesus was giving them. He was telling them that righteousness is out of their reach and that they would need a different kind of righteousness. They would need somebody to represent them. Since they weren't perfect, they would need somebody to represent them who is perfect. And it happened to be the one who was speaking to them at the time, which we know, right? So uh, now he's telling them, okay, now that I've told you this bad news, here's how you ought to pray, you people who are stuck in this hopeless situation, you Jewish people, under the law, the law of works, where righteousness is not possible for you based on your efforts. Here's how you should pray. So he's teaching them, those Jewish people, how to pray. Those people at that time, this is what they needed to pray, Joel, at that time, realizing that the new covenant had not begun yet and wouldn't until Jesus had gone to the cross. And this prayer really has more to do with redemption than than anything else. And and we'll get into this a little bit more, but really what what Jesus is telling them to pray, what he's instructing them here, Jesus himself, uh, and again, we'll get into this a little bit further down the road, but he would become the fulfillment of everything in this prayer. That's why we find no other instruction. Stop and think about this for a minute. Time out. Time out. Stop and think about this. All of the emphasis that the church world and Christianity has placed on this prayer, and we never hear anything else about it after this. Nothing in New Testament writings after this about praying this prayer again. Because why? Because Jesus Would be the fulfillment of it. There would be no more need to pray the prayer.
1: Right. And, you know, someone, you know, would comment saying that, well, this is the red letters. These are the words of Jesus. And so, why are we trying to complicate things? Let's just keep it simple. Jesus said this, so let's just do it. You know, well, you know, I I personally. I understand the idea of simplicity because I like to keep things simple. But what I think is more important is rightly dividing the word of truth, pointing out context, and making sure that people understand what Jesus was saying and and why he said it. Because, as we've said many times on this program, you can just open up your Bible and just start reading. And if you don't understand the context, if you don't understand uh, the you know, like the laws that were laid down in Leviticus, for example, if you just start reading that thing, then you'll be doomed to a life where you can't wear clothes of mixed linen. You can't sow different seeds, different types of seeds into one field. You uh, can't eat lobster and shrimp. You can't eat bacon got to have a big silence for that one. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And and, and stuff like that. And And it's the same with the words of Jesus. When the law was given, it was for those who were under the law. And when Jesus was talking, saying a lot of these things, he was indeed speaking to those who were under the law. And so the red letters don't always necessarily mean that he's talking to us, and so that really is something that's very, very important for us to point out. You know, I think we've probably done that enough, but I, I really wanted to highlight that again, emphasize that, because people will call this the model prayer for Christians. It's a, it's an example for us to follow. Maybe we pray it word for word, or maybe at least it's just, it's just a model. In this manner, therefore, pray. So it's not exactly the words, but it's pray along the same lines of what Jesus prayed. Well, no, uh, again, like you were saying, Cap, he was teaching his disciples that that's how to pray, and he would end up fulfilling these things. That's what's so important. And so maybe we can... Oh, one more thing here. I just wanted to make sure that people know we do take the words of Jesus very seriously. We're not trying to chuck Jesus words out. we're not trying to say they don't matter. we're saying they do matter in a very big way, but it isn't exactly as simple as people would uh, make it to be so anyway, that's where we're coming from. so he starts out this thing um our father in heaven, and Cap you and I were talking beforehand that some people think that Jesus saying Father calling God father that that was a new concept for Israel, and so well, it must mean that this was a New Covenant prayer, because it's only in the New Covenant that we begin to actually call God Father. But there are a few places, at least under the Old Covenant, where people called God Father. Isaiah sixty three sixteen, Doubtless you are our Father. You, O Lord, are our Father. Isaiah 64, 8, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are Potter. Now, this was people talking, praying to God under the Old Covenant. There's many more of those examples, or at least a handful more of examples, where we see God being called Father by the Jews in the Old Covenant. So I just wanted to point out that this idea of God being called Father wasn't a new thing for Israel. The people understood about God being Father in heaven, and holy was his name.
0: Yeah, and when you use the word model, it's going to cause me to back up for just a second here. Mm-hmm. People will say, okay, yeah, we get it. We don't necessarily have to repeat the prayer, but it's a model for us. Well, I'll, I'll just respectfully disagree, okay? And I'll suggest that the Lord's Prayer was no more meant to be a model for us under the New Covenant then plucking out eyes and cutting off limbs was meant to help Israel fulfill the law, which Jesus mentioned in, in the previous chapter. And so, again, Jesus administered this message of hopelessness. Now he's telling them, look, having said that, this is how you should pray. So I agree with you, Joel. And just a few more, just to look them up for yourself if you want to. Deuteronomy 32.6, 1 Chronicles 29.10, and Jeremiah thirty-one nine all have this concept of God as Father, even for the Israelites. So um, this opening line in the prayer, it wasn't necessarily a new expression for these Jewish people. They certainly recognized Father God in heaven and that he was holy. One thing they didn't understand, though, they, they would not have understood the mystery of at this time they wouldn't have not have understood the mystery of Christ in you which would later be revealed when the new covenant was inaugurated after the death of Jesus so our father who art in heaven you know heaven seems like one of those distant planets this just this infinite amount of space between us and god right well we're now in the new covenant these people were in the old that he was speaking to but we're in the new and something that they didn't know or understand was that you see god now abides in us by his spirit And he's promised to never leave. And so if you just have this idea that God is in heaven, this is just kind of a little reminder for us in the new covenant that he has a new address besides just heaven. And it's in you. It's in us. Christ in us. And in regards to the Father's name being hallowed or holy, I mean, these people, they were even afraid to say the name of what we would say Yahweh or Jehovah. They had a a tremendous reverence for the the name of God. They knew it was holy. Uh, But again, under the revelation of the new covenant, we should point out that the name now, which is above every name, is Jesus Christ. You can find that in Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. One thing I might encourage, Joel, we try and squeeze this in here and then let you back in. But for those who have a little extra time, go to the 16th chapter of John and observe Jesus conversing with his disciples. He's coming toward the end of his ministry here on earth as a human being, and and he looks ahead now. He's speaking to his disciples, and he looks ahead to the new covenant, and he begins to reveal to them that he would be leaving, the Spirit of truth would come, and the Spirit would guide them into all truth. And they were instructed by Jesus to do something different, something they hadn't been doing. And he said, in that day, that day of the new covenant, that they would pray to the Father in his name, the name of Jesus. Jesus gave no such instruction during this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He he didn't tell them, you're going to pray in my name. He didn't say that. He told people, uh, disciples, when it comes to the new covenant, when the new covenant is in place in that day, you will pray to the Father in my name. It's just another clue, Joel, that it was provided, this Lord's Prayer, it was provided to people only under the first covenant for them to pray before the cross at that time before Jesus was high priest.
1: Right. Yes, indeed. And we'll get more into the Lord's Prayer next week. How about this? You know, you had mentioned that in none of the other epistles, you know, Peter, Paul, John, James, none of the guys said, pray this Lord's Prayer. Here's an example of something that we were taught to pray, or at least that that Paul prayed you know in Ephesians 2 he this was his prayer that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe ...according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we'll see how Jesus did indeed fulfill all of the things that were spoken and prayed in that prayer, known as the Lord's Prayer. Coming up next week, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not that we are now waiting for God's kingdom to come or for his will to be done. It's been done. We'll talk more about that next week on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet
0: sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.